Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Pub Meeple Podcast. I'm Gary. Proper Brian. I'm just Brian. And where's Shuck tonight? Shuck, yeah. Uh, Shuck had a prior commitment tonight. He is actually working at the local rodeo. He's a rodeo clown. Some people don't know that about Shuck. He's av- actually an avid rodeo clown enthusiast. Oh, that's Shuck. Well, I know he's he's in here in spirit. So this episode, we talk uh, briefly about some games we've played recently. The three of us managed to get in a um, extended game day, and we also get to talk about keeping up with the Joneses, right? The board gaming Joneses. Yes. That's right. <laughs> well, so sit back, grab a brew, and uh, listen to the Pub Meeple Podcast. Alright, gentlemen, let's go ahead and talk about our, our brews. Actually, most uh, some of our brews tonight were provided by Proper Brian. You want to kick us off? What do you have there? Sure. So I think it was, I don't, can't remember if it was the last time or not, but I had the uh, coffee porter by Real L Brewing Company. And I was like, they treated me so well with that one that when I was at the store looking, I, I saw a sampler pack. And so I picked that up and offered to share it around. And so the one I have right now is called Real Heavy. It's a Scotch Ale by Real L Brewing Company, and it's real good. Is that your first Scotch Ale? Have you, have you had, did you, have you had like the Founders uh, Dirty Bastard or anything no, like that? Okay, no, so this is probably your first Scotch Ale. Yeah, yeah, probably your first one. You haven't even, oh, you yeah. Gary, Gary's a tub. Scotch Ale um, connoisseur, so here in a minute. No, I'm not a connoisseur, but have that I, I, I we'll do like them. Kind of what you think, maybe compare that to some of the others we've had. Yeah, when um, I, I'll, I'll try it later on. I, I do like a few Scotch Ales. I wouldn't so, say it's, so it's tasty. I like it. I want to talk about the one I'm drinking that Proper Brian brought me, but before that, I do want to bring bring up the one that I brought, intending to drink, which is my second favorite wheat beer. It's the uh, kind of like a Belgian wheat beer. It's the Franzis Connor, and it's it's on my right after the Namaste by Dogfish Head. I think really? the Namaste is my favorite. That's not that mentioning, good? yeah, it's not mentioning, um, I don't know really how to rank our local uh, Pappy Slocum's Uberweiss, uh, because I've never really had it often enough or, or around the other ones, but it's also really good. But I think as far as something you can get at the store, this Franzis Connor, we get at HEB here. It's not hard to find. Uh, it just has like a little monk on the front of it, and it's, man, I just really like that. Good beer. But the one I'm drinking now is also from Proper Brian's Real L sampler pack. It's the Commissaire, or Commissar. Uh, it's Russian, so the maybe it's... in town. Yeah, it's a Russian <laughs> imperial <laughs> stout. I don't know if that means it's Russian, but it's a Russian imperial stout, uh, which is like an IPA, but imperial stouts are a little bit stronger than your imperial ales. Really? And there's like, yeah, there's like this history on like how they had to transport them to another location, and so in order to keep them from, I don't know, turning or going bad, they made them like a little bit stronger. Anyway, this one's on a that. 9.8... And, uh, and on the on the uh, percentage alcohol per volume scale, wow. and I think everything proper Brian brought us tonight is a little heavy. So wow. if we start slurring our speech at the end of the podcast, <laughs> is proper Brian? Proper Brian, it's all <laughs> so so I started off. I haven't have not dipped into the uh, the real L. Uh, I started off with just a uh, something kind of easy. I'm easing into the evening. Mm. The uh, lazy magnolia seven seven pecan. Um, it says it's the original pecan nut brown L. Um, I've had it before. Actually, the first we time we featured had it, it here at the podcast before. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it. I, I may. Oh yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, it's good. You know, it's um, it is good. By no means my favorite beer, but it's just kind of a nice. Um, I was just a little something different. Who's the really brewery light. on that one? Lazy Magnolia. That's um, the name of the brewery. Yeah, it's from oh, okay. Mississippi. Um, I thought that was like all the name. Like, man, they got like <laughs> Lazy Magnolia Southern Macon. That's a long name <laughs> for a beer. Yeah, no, that's a brewery on that one. I've never had any of their other beer. 
I don't know that they make anything that they ship outside of Mississippi. Mm. I think this may be like their their premier beer. Yeah, and, and so it makes it a little bit further. Yeah, it's uh, good. Yeah, well, it's good, but it's kind of like playing uh, that you know really lightweight game, but you know there's a cool Euro right around the corner, yeah. or like or like a <laughs> well, descent. I mean, your your buddy setting up descent on the other I would table, say, and you're I like, would say not everybody. I want to get to that. <laughs> I'm not always in the mood Wait for, for heavy beer. I don't always want something that has a ton of flavor. I don't want something that's always really high in like an alcohol content. Oh yeah, not always. Something like that. So you want a light beer and you want options for a lighter and beer. that's why I picked this up. And, and this one has like a really good flavor to it. It's a brown ale. It's so much better than your kind of ambers, I think. Like I think yeah, it's a step above agree. like an amber ale kind of situation. Uh, so. Well, it's it's a good, like I said, it's a good beer. It's, it's like, listen, like, listen, it's, it's, like it's like this beer, thing like is we a, know it's another hobby, you know? Yeah, like, I know, yeah. right? It becomes one. What's our hobby? We're into board gaming, right? Board yeah. Gaming. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Whole, <laughs> speaking of board gaming, uh, yeah, we, we uh, the three of us actually, we were able to kind of get in an extended, uh, some extended game time in recently. Does everyone mention their top game, maybe? Top game yeah, of, that, of that day? Of that day, maybe we can have an honorable mention. You know, if we've got if we've got but, some time. Yeah, here. I think we can talk about all of them. It's okay. <laughs> it's our podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll do what we want. <laughs> um, well, well, proper Brian, you were talking about one that I know. Uh, just Brian and I had already played, and we were excited to see you play it. And you want to talk about the game you you uh, you were talking about it earlier? Yeah. So this uh, game is Mombasa. Mombasa. Yeah. So this is a game that Just Brian brought to our game time. It didn't catch me off guard it, it really, but it, cause I knew it was going to be good, but it was still like surprisingly good to me. I like, or it felt good to me. I really, really, really enjoyed the stock aspect to the game. Like the four, you know, there's on the four sides of the board, you have your four different companies that you're kind of investing in. And that's the, one of the neat things about this game to me is that you are not a company you're investing in these companies, but trying to come out, in the end on top, obviously, yeah. but it was just a really neat way it, it implemented that in the game. And then the way that you kind of had the area control of, you know, as you expand this company out into uh, the African continent and uh, into different, I guess, uh, ventures and stuff that they're doing there. Super game. That was, I, I don't want to say by far because there were some other really good games we played, but it was a, it was my favorite experience. I'm talking about this game. It's a, it's an Alexander Pfister game. He's the, he's the designer. And we've talked about him before, and you guys know I'm kind of a fanboy of Fister. And so... Great Western Trail. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> he has this thing where he brings these mechanics in, and he, he, he kind of... He doesn't oh. really Frankenstein them, but oh. he brings them into an area, aspect where there's a lot of interesting things he does with his mechanics. The card. The card, the card play, play mechanic... I don't know if it's unique because I haven't, but I haven't played another game like that. that does I have the not played play. another if, game like that. If it's used in something else, it's like... There's only a one or two yeah. like that. So it's a form of hand management. It's a form of uh, kind of like uh, your your games where I think of like something simpler like a Mission Red Planet where you have the whole deck of cards or maybe something like Concordia. You have the whole deck of cards. You can pick whatever card you want, and those cards just kind of go into a form of a discard. But this discard, in this case has a whole other level to it where they feed up into previous whole discards. Three different have, rows. Yeah, yeah, and they have kind of a different cycle sorry, to rows, it columns. where you get to pick one of the three later on to pick up. And so there's a little bit of planning to it, and you're kind of you're, you're making decisions on, do I want this turn to be awesome and chain together really well for this this moment, or do I want to play them differently yep, for later synergy? Yeah. And maybe you can do both. I mean, that's just fun. Building off what you just said, it's almost like a balancing in that if you have a really amazing turn, 
those three cards are going to be like say I, I just literally go bananas, you know, okay? Mm-hmm. Just all high banana cards. I like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm a I, you know, bananas are a resource I'm winning the, the banana. Game, so yeah, he was so. being clever. There. <laughs> I'm winning the banana majority. I'm buying all sorts of other goods. You know, I use my bananas to now next turn I'm going to have a majority in coffee, right? I do something really great with them. But now those three banana cards are split up into three discard piles. So makes it harder yeah, to get them all back. Exactly. It makes it harder. I'm not going to pull that combo off exactly as it, as I did again in the game. So I either have planned ahead and, you know, can make use of what, you know, those bananas in another way or it's kind of like, well, I did this one great thing and now those banana cards, I may never play them again, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I really like how if you pull off a good combo sometimes, like you said, sometimes maybe you can make it work for you where, oh, well, I already fed some other banana cards up in there. I'm going to do another one again. I don't know. It's, it's kind of neat. And if you played Great Western Trail before, you know that there's more than one kind of facet to the game. There's more than one thing in that game that stands out. And that's the same with Mombasa. That's The card play was one thing. And there's other tracks on the board, and there's other, like like Proper Brian mentioned, the, the stock aspect to the game, which is really the driving motivation in the game is to, to pull out a stock or an investment in a company, one of four companies. There's an area control aspect to it. Oh, man, this... I love Mombasa. So, yeah. So what do you think about, um, you mentioned the stock. What do you think about the, the variable powers that they, they allow? Like once you get far enough on a track, you know, players start differentiating because now they have access to, to different powers. Or maybe you see someone's doing really well with one, so you chase them up that track. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, man, he's really doing great with that. Um, what do you think about that? I, I love that. So um, obviously I like... 4X style games and in a lot of those games you end up with this kind of asymmetry in the beginning and I love how in this game though you get to kind of choose that as you you get to you get to play towards that I guess so by the end of the game you're able to do things potentially that other people aren't able to do you know then you can use that to play into a, a certain strategy you know so um Super fun. This might be a Mombasa podcast because I just want to keep talking about <laughs> Mombasa. <laughs> oh, Mombasa all the like, time. Like I was thinking like three or four other things to talk about. Like it's such a great game. Fister uh, though, man. man it's good. I wish I could meet you and <laughs> be your best friend. You make such great games. Hey, Fister, let's move on. Email us. Let's move people at yeah. gmail.com. <laughs> Set up an interview. Um, so go ahead and tell us about your favorite game. Uh, so my favorite game of the weekend was Food Chain Magnate by Splatter Games. This was a game that... Since we'd heard about it at the at the second West Texas Tabletop Con that we came that we went to, I don't know something intrigued me about the tech tree, something intrigued me about the engine building, and about this sandbox nature. When people asked me before, what is a good sandbox game? The only one that I could really think of is Zaya. Like, legitimately, I know that I know we have Western Legends now, and we have some other things that that are close to sandbox, but like a true sandbox open world experience in a board game is really hard to find. I don't even think Mage Knight really does it, you know, because it's still it's still structured in a way that doesn't allow for the sandbox. Mm-hmm. I think Food Chain Magnate it, at the moment, maybe because it's fresh to me, is my favorite sandbox experience. It's a business sandbox. It's, it is. And it's it's, I would say that is the thriving mechanism. I know there's lots of details to this game, but love the game. It took us didn't take us any longer to play. I think that's one of the things. This is a long game to play. I don't know if it's long to play or if it just has a high level of learning curve to it and not a very forgiving game for yeah. new players. And we were all new players, yeah. so it was kind of... Well, in proper Brown... Some of us were newer than others. I know we were talking about this earlier. As far as the, the unforgiving nature, you want to chime in? Because I know you had some thoughts on that. Sure. So first, I, I just want to say that everything I'm about to say about this game 
I don't want to reflect on it and make it sound like I, I think it's a bad game. I think it's actually one of those kind of games that shines with more play. So it was my first time to play, and um, I hadn't read the rules going into it, so I was learning it very fresh um, when we were sitting down at the table. So like just Brian said, it's, it's a very unforgiving game, meaning that uh, not just when someone else uh, does something to you, it's hard to come back from. It's when you do something to yourself, and since it's, you know, obviously since it's, it was my first play, uh, for example, I've, I set up a marketing campaign for a bunch of pizza, right? And not realizing what I was doing, I set up this marketing campaign where it would hit all these houses. I was like, great, they're all going to want my pizza. And they wanted everyone else's pizza because of where everyone else was situated. It was, and because of the, uh, the length of that marketing campaign, it, it kind of, I mean, I basically handed everybody a bunch of money. Yeah. in the game and it, it was so it was you know obviously that's my mistake you know but at the same time in my first play it felt really uh it felt bad it felt bad in, in that first play it was it was very hard to recover from uh, like a like a mistake like that so for me in in where i am in my in my board gaming uh life i don't get to play games very often much less repeat games very often so this is the kind of game that really would get a big benefit from playing it a lot and probably playing it a lot with the same group there would also be a benefit to playing this game with a teacher that that knew how to teach it to new players yeah and that wasn't the case for our weekend like we were all first time like like i'd only read the rule books and played it theoretically i i believe that had I known more about the game or Gary known more about the game, we would have also done the things we talked about in our last podcast where we're like, hey, you may not want to do that thing, and well, here's the consequences to it. And you'll see that a little bit better later in the game. Just kind of trust me for now. We could have pulled our punches a little bit and kind of assisted you more, but we had no way to do that because we didn't know how to teach this game. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I could see that too. But even then, it's while I would appreciate that, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who I like to play a game and 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 figure it out but yeah. and i do that in, in in most games but i at least feel like i can kind of recover and figure it out and move forward and this one i didn't feel like i could do that i don't know that you can there people who know this game better than we do gary and i played it one other time yeah since since our weekend i don't know it's a pretty brutal game i, I think i think you have to difficult. warn people i think your first play of this game is never going to probably going to be suboptimal it is and and that's fine probably. but but, we, but i understand proper brian's position to play a game that's suboptimal for three hours is not fun it's not cool i mean uh, so there's for that, a promise of maybe you get this in again later that being said it was still my favorite game of the weekend uh, mombasa was a close like i i probably would have talked about that if you hadn't but i don't, I don't know like I, I still go back to food chain magnate the the theme of running a food chain uh, isn't uh, like a fast food restaurant isn't super appealing to me, but the sandbox yeah. nature of the game really inspired me to think about this game much more throughout the week. Well, so. let me let me reinforce real quick. I really f I feel like it's a good game. If I was in a bit a different stage of life where I could get a game out more like like that more consistently, I would enjoy it. it it's just one of those I was like, uh, you know, like it kept frustrating me, and I kept looking at it going, I'm never going to get to play this again, probably for another ten years. So. Like by then I'm gonna have to learn it all over again. And anyway, it was just I feel like the game is good. I feel like if you get this game out with people you know and play with, it's gonna be a blast. So so when Gary and I played again later on, uh, it was hilarious. Oh, like yeah. we we were messing each other up on each other's businesses. We were trying to steal each other's market, and 
it was still mean. I mean, there's so yeah, much take that game. to this game. But to us, because we're friends and because we know each other, we found it. I, I found it humorous. And if oh, you I, I like hilarious. take that, this is a his is a really funny take that game. Oh yeah, I mean, I I agree. I I totally agree. It. I did not get upset. I didn't feel like, you know, Brian's picking on me. He's, he won. Of course, yeah, he didn't get no. upset. Well, I, went to, I didn't think I was going to when you were encroaching on my burger, <laughs> my burger king. I was the burger king, and you came over there. And you wanted you came into my Burger Kingdom and wanted a piece of that pie, okay? Yeah, let's not talk so, about the, the the houses I built that you pretty much yeah. well, told I took those people later. they yeah. wanted. He dropped his pizza propaganda via airplane over yeah. these houses, like that's that's some. And then they wanted some. Then they wanted my pizza and that's and like my a burger. fascist regime move, yeah. right there. Well, it, it was, <laughs> and it was it was brilliant. It, it, it ended up being fun. Suddenly, but, they didn't want my burgers. <laughs> No, he so, wanted his pizza. So the game, I think the back and forth, and we talked about it, it almost has like um, a little bit of kind of like a chess-like feeling. That like you make oh, this yeah. move, well, I want to counter with that move. And I think for the two-player, actually, I didn't I – when going into the two-player, I wasn't sure how it would play. I loved it. So, granted, that's just two plays of the game, but I'd love to get some more two-player games in, and I'd love to get a three and four, some more three and four-player games. I'm, I'm like jonesing to play this game again in a way like that I – don't with mo- I mean like there's a lot of games that I want to play again this game like I really really want to play yeah. again I'm just I'm excited about it because even like even okay I won that last one <laughs> I still felt like man there, I messed up some things like or I could have done this better or you know I I by no means feel like hey I've, I've yeah. got that game right I don't have it down and so well, let's let's move on because we yeah. can talk yeah, yeah, about again, our uh, favorite uh, games. Be the food chain yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, for me, one that I was really excited about, I, and really honestly, probably food chain was was maybe uh, maybe my f- my favorite. But this was like really close up there. It was Vinos. Uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm kind of you know get really excited about the tall assertive games. I really like the gallerist. I think all of us kind of like the gallerist. It's mm-hmm. kind of high up in in the uh, in the group list, and. Um, so, you know, it's just a, it's a game about um, being like a wine magnate. Uh, there's that word again, magnate there. Um, you're owning, you own estates and you, you know, build uh, wineries and you have uh, vineyards on them. And so three times throughout the game, you'll go to a, uh, what is the A fair. Oh, I'm sorry, a fair. I could, yeah. yeah it's, you go to a fair and you're trying to just basically um, promote your wine and see who has the best wine. And then, you know, these judges kind of judge you know, if you if you meet certain requirements, you can you can take some you know get a bonus, and mm-hmm. um, then you just you know kind of do this again. But now you have less time to do it, and then for that third fair, you only have one round to prepare for it. So you've got to have your engine like up and going, and, yeah. and be producing some really great wine. And so far, you've explained kind of a linear version of the game, but we know this is a Lacerda game. It's not so linear. Yeah. No, there's not quite. also exports, and there's yeah. also like local sales. I mean, there's there's in addition to the fairs is kind of the main yeah. point builder, but then there's like these other little side point builders you can't ignore the whole time. No, because if you if you just did really great at the fair but never sold any, you know, if you weren't selling your wine to anyone, you're not a really great business person, right? So you've got to export it to other countries. Just you've got to sell like, it to local Just thinking about how it differs from like a game like Viticulture. Like you're explaining the game, how it's different from Viticulture. Viticulture is pretty linear. This game isn't, it, you know, yeah. it's got like it's multifaceted, multi-angled and, kind of approach and that's to why, wine. Like, I think for me, as far as if I'm looking for a wine themed Euro, for me, I really liked it. Like yeah. I felt like I, I felt like I, 
it's a bit of a crunchy game. The teach, I didn't really do so hot on the teach, even though we just we just had a podcast. Does anybody about, do a hot yeah. teach on Lacerda games? I don't know I don't if that's know. possible. <laughs> it was that or, or Lisboa, which which was going to be tough too. But what I, what I did like, I mean, I really liked a lot of things about this game. I, I want to dig back into it. I think it is one that's going to um, reward some repeated plays as well. I, I think you know, once I, if I can play it one more time, I think I'll, I'll be able to teach it really well. All of his games reward that repeat play. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, there's always something that, for me, whenever I play a really complex game like that, uh, I decide what I'm going to focus on and kind of what I'm going to ignore in that first game just to, yeah. uh, to see that part of the game and how it plays. And I might see a little bit of that other thing by the end of the game. So that next play of it, like I'll get to go, okay, I understand this part now. Let me let me focus over here. Lacerda has lots of that in his game that you can yeah. do a lot to focus on. Vital Lacerda, if you're wondering who Lacerda is, we keep mentioning Vital Lacerda. He's he's uh, made games like the Gallerist, uh, Vinos, Kanban, Kanban, and um, and then the one you just mentioned, uh, Lisboa. Lisboa, and he's got a um, escape plan coming up. That's right. I forgot yeah, about I mean, escape it comes plan. out this spring. I'm, I'm I backed it on Kickstarter. I'm, so I'll definitely be talking about. that. I almost backed podcast. that one, but I'm really glad you did because I well, want to play. It. What interested me is it's a little bit lighter. So I mean, not that it's really light, but it's basically a lot of the things he does, but like in a slightly lighter, slightly more streamlined game. I think from what I can tell, might be a good um, intro to Lacerda. Yeah, though. I think it's probably the game that I'm, you would let people play of his, and then like say, okay, you really like that. Well, this guy has a few others, you know. So, uh, plus the theme is really cool. I mean, you know, who doesn't like uh, escaping? Esca- like, you know, Reservoir Dogs. You know, like, who doesn't like the the heist and the, the yeah. escape? And you know, I mean, you've got that. It sounds pretty cool. Uh, but we're getting off track there, huh? So. <laughs> <laughs> So guys, uh, I guess we should go ahead and let's go ahead and transition into our, our main topic for the evening, which is kind of um, one of keeping up with keeping up with like the keeping up with the Joneses, maybe keeping up right? with the board game yeah, keep, Joneses, keeping up with the board game Joneses. Yeah, you know, hmm. um, in this hobby, it, you know, it's it's tough. There's so many new games coming out. You know, you want to get them all right. You know, you want, I want to have all these games. You know, and we just want to talk about how we make decisions on what games we buy. You know, what games. How, how often we buy, you know, kind of things like that. And, and also our, just kind of talk a little bit about um, how it's, it's okay not to have everything, right? I want to preface this yeah. topic. So I've heard on a, on a podcast recently, one of our good friends, Rick Perez from Let's Level Up. You should go check out his podcast. He talked with Scott Morris, another one of our good friends from GTS Distribution. And they were talking on, their pod, on his podcast about the number of games that have come out, not just at Gen Con and, and Essen, but especially at those two fairs, but just in general, like there's thousands of games that are coming out every year now. Like nobody can keep up with this volume of games. And it's a real interesting conversation to hear from them because there's a point in time where you could play it every good game, if not most of the, the, the games that you that are being published. It's impossible now to play every game and maybe even impossible to play every good game. You right. know what they yeah. are. Yeah. It's the reason why we exist and why why podcasters and YouTubers and media content creators exist is to tell you what to kind of funnel kind of, you and yeah, channel you into the games that, that you want to get to. So it kind of creates relevance for things like this. But the scope of our topic, this might be one of the heaviest types of conversations we can have as far as giving advice and trying to help people wade through how you should live a lifestyle in this hobby. I don't know. There's a feeling of 
Like if you listen to podcasts and watch videos and and keep up with uh, board game social media and, and or just in any like kind of board game group, people are constantly posting. I bought this game. I bought that game. Here's my here's my shelfie. You know, here, here's yeah. all the games that I own. Here's the and so there's this feeling that kind of naturally which comes. we do that too. Like I've yeah. done that. Yeah. So I mean, it's not. Like, there's it's nothing not wrong, wrong with that. Yeah. No. I enjoy it's, looking it is at part of the those. culture, right? Right. Because part of the fun is. Playing all these games, right? And showing them off. It's right. fun to show off your games. Right. Yeah. Oh, I got the latest thing. You know? But it can, make, it can make a person feel like in order to be involved with the hobby, they must perform at that level. They must, they must keep up with all these other people who seem to be playing and owning and buying so many games. It's like you'll see a post from people that went to Gen Con, and it's like they, this is probably an exaggeration, but it, it looks like they bought a hundred games at Gen Con and I'm like, and we, were, we were talking before this and man, we'd be happy to go to Gen Con. And, and so the point yeah. is not, so you person out there who, uh, who happened to buy a hundred games at Gen Con, this is not, that's shade, awesome. This is not shade on you at all. So this is us saying, we wish, I play we some wish of those we could you. be your friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to be your friend. It, it, as long as you're buying those games, you know, in a responsible <laughs> manner. Great. Keep doing it and have fun. But this, topic is really to address what what we call the every gamer are time constrained and money constrained who still want to enjoy the hobby i i guess as we dive into this we, we want to say you don't have to keep up yeah. to enjoy the hobby so uh, one of the things we want to talk about is what it looks like and when to like stop buying games like or for you know a certain period of time like what what does that look like and so you know you know we had a we had a topic once about the ideal collection you remember that yeah. Oh, yeah, we talked about the ideal collection and and what does that look like and it could be on your shelf. So it's kind of an evolution of that. It's kind of though. yeah, and but here's the thing: at that time, I was I was I liked Euro games, but it was before my Euro Renaissance, and it was interesting because there was a point. <laughs> and a good it, term it, for it. It happened like it happened like for a year or two after that podcast. I was content with my collection, and then I had like this Euro Renaissance where I, I found the Euro games. I found like a new niche that I loved, and suddenly. Like my, I wasn't satisfied anymore with my collection. Interesting, right? Because I was happy one day, and the yeah. next day, I'm like, un- I, there's things I want now because I know they exist. They existed before I had them or before I knew about them, but now that I know that they're there, I wasn't settled. I wasn't content. The collector in me was just just needing to, to to get these games and burning a hole in my pocket, hoping they were still in print, and and so so much anxiety on yeah. games that were no longer in print that I was learning about. Oh man, I, I spent like two years trying to like track down trade for. For some reason, I didn't want to pay the cost for. It's at the gates of Loyang. It was uh, it was out of print, and I wanted to get it, and then it was in print, and at the time. Uh, I was like, oh, I finally get this game. But I, it was, I was putting a game order in. Uh, it was an online order. I had you know, X budget, and I ended up picking another game over that. And so then like later on, I was like, you know what? I really should have picked up Gates of, at the Gates of Loyang. Well, now it's out of print again. And so I'm trying to trace it down. And I, I got this thing where I, I felt I had to have this game in my collection. Okay, I'm chasing it down, chasing it down. I have this anxiety, like not, not like major, like I'm not like waking up at night, but like I'm looking at the collection, going, "Oh man, you know, like I really need." I have Your collection's major. not complete. Yeah, so you it's have, not complete. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So and then, like, I, I reached a point a while back, like middle of last year, I was like, "I'm never gonna have at the gates of Loyang," and you know what? I'm perfectly fine with that now, because it's valued pretty high, like in the trade, like at least because it's out of print, so it's harder to trade for, right? 
I realized, you know, what I'm going to have to give up to get it isn't worth it. I'm not giving two games yeah, for that that's one That's what you game. start playing, right? Yeah. You start saying, how much is this game really worth? How much is it worth having this thing on my shelf yeah. or, or having the option to play this thing? So Russian Railroads might be a good example yeah. that we've talked about a lot. I've, I've, I've asked myself this question several times. It's still available. It's still out there. I can still get it if I want it. But how much is it worth? Is it is it worth the amount that I got to pay for this out of print game uh, for a used copy that's that's overpriced? It may be. It may be worth that to me, and I need to go out and do that and bite the bullet. Um, but we start having this question of value. Yeah. We start having this question like it's a very philosophical thing. It kind of transcends uh, the the idea of just buying a game. We're talking about res- buying a game responsibly. Sometimes the answer is no. I got the game I want. I love this game. Uh, it's ramen noodles for a week. That's okay? right. That's right. <laughs> you know? Hey, everyone likes ramen, don't they? Dad, <laughs> Dad got eight bags of ramen. You know, you know. So, I've never done. Well, that, so, but yeah. it comes a question of value. Yeah. Like, what is the value? What's the threshold? When is enough enough? I want to buy food chain magnet after our play. Yeah, is it worth a hundred bucks? So for me, so the the story I, that I can tell is like when when I decided. So I, I decided it was a couple of years ago. I think that, and I realized the irony of this, that I'd sit on a board game podcast and uh, and I'm going to talk about stopping buying games. But so for me, the, the point came when I was buying way more games than I could play. And all these games were kind of starting to collect on my shelf. I didn't leave them in the shrink wrap, but man, they were like... <laughs> I have a few in the shrink wrap. Sorry. No, but the... I couldn't. Well, he's saying he had the decency to take them out of the shrink wrap, <laughs> even if he I wanted to look. I wanted. I wanted. I wanted to, to punch Ouch. punch him out and yeah. But <laughs> you wound me, sir. You wound me. <laughs> no, but I was looking at my shelf, going, I have all these games that I have not played, and I don't see what I'm going to get to because I was at kind of a, a point in my life. I've, I just have. We just had our fourth kid, so obviously I had twin six-year-olds, a, a, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old now. So a couple of years ago, my time was way more limited. And yeah. so I wasn't able to play them. And I was like, I don't, I don't really buy games to have them sit on my shelf. I, I buy games to play them. And it was frustrating me more than I was getting enjoyment out of you know, buying them. I was looking at a game that I was going to buy, and I was like, well, when are we going to get to play that? I don't know. You know, so instead of well, instead of what looking, was the motivation for buying them initially? Was it was it because you're a collector? Yeah, and because there's like the obsession of the hobby. Yeah. yeah, it was it was this is a you know new game that I'm really interested in. I want to try it, and also because hey, you know we're content creators and we are looking for things to talk about. And things there to is write always about. that for us, and always has been. It's interesting. This 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 topic has been kind of over our heads for a long time, even before we podcast that are we content creators that try to keep up with the Joneses? Right. And that was always a question we, that we had because we, can. we can't all the time. So yeah. how do we, how do you make interesting content? Yeah. Anyway, I, I had to, st- I had to come to that point where I was like, you know what? I, I just kind of have to stop. I have to stop buying new games and just enjoy what I have. And I ended up being happier for it, at least, you know, in this, in this time of life. And that's one of the other things I want to say is there are times of life for this in anything, like in, in anything, not yeah. just in this little niche hobby, but it's like there are times of life to stop doing things. There are times to start. And so for me, it was that was the time to stop. You yeah. know? I want to make a point in that uh, I remember when you we were talking about this, We and you and I had had a couple 
conversations. I think we'd all had a couple conversations about that. You, you would kind of you would express to me some of your frustration about you know unplayed games, and you told me, "Hey, you know, I'm not buying any games." And I remember when you did buy a game. I remember you remember when you bought Anachrony. Yeah. And that was kind of the game that kind of broke that streak of like several months or maybe even close to a year of just really not buying hard. Oh, I remember that. Nothing or almost yeah. nothing. And you were told, you know, guys, I'm, you know, I just don't, I just don't have the time. You know, uh, you know, baby's taking up a lot of time. I just want to play the games that I do have. And you know, so we still got game nights in from time to time, but it was it was harder. You know, it was a little rare with you. Anyone who's had a newborn can understand that. And so I remember when you bought an acronym, I was like, man, that's that's a big game to kind of jump back in with. But you had done your research. You had spent a lot of time reading yeah, the I game. Yeah, spent a lot of time. And but but when you bought that game, it was like you had this great sense of satisfa- satisfaction just getting the game before. And it was still like a month before we even probably got it to the table. But I remember being so excited about that game. And I think maybe because you because you weren't just buying all the time and you spent a lot of time researching it, like that one purchase was so almost there's like something. A- really cool too. Yeah, like a less is more kind of idea, right? Like like where cuz I I remember this as well and I I do now that you're talking about this I'm kind of trying to track back where we were back then. That's back when we were playing Shogun and yeah. for the first time, you know. And I remember the same kind of thing like he enjoyed his proper Brian. I'm looking at Gary. Yeah. Proper Brian enjoyed his purchase <laughs> of Anachrony more than I've enjoyed purchases that I was making at that time. And I was okay. making more purchases at that time. And I was I like, thinking that same a thing. little jealous that he liked his one game better than I liked the six I just bought. Yeah. You know, and, and he was satisfied with his with his buy. And well, I was sitting there kind of thinking, looking at my shelf going, man, I don't know if I like these games that much. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I, I, yeah, that, that was kind of, but it was kind of neat to see that. And I understood where you were coming from. And also, I think there was some wisdom in that. But the whole um, having the shelf, you know, the shelf full of games. I saw this web comic, and I think it was like a video on a video game site. But a friend had sent it to me. There was like four panels, and in the first panel, you know, this guy's up at the sh- at the counter, and he's getting this brand new video game he wants. He's like, you know, handing the money. And the second one, he's like running down the sidewalk, just tearing, you know, tearing down the sidewalk. And the third one, he's opening his door, running into the door, and you're thinking like he's gonna run straight, put it in his, you know, system, and he runs up to the shelf and puts it on the shelf. He goes. <laughs> One day I'll get to enjoy you. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I feel like that with board games. There, there's so many times I've, I've been in a rush to, to get a game because I think I won't be able to get it. And, and there are some times legitimate times where it's, it's out of print. It's, mm-hmm. it's a Kickstarter-only run, you know. And so let's just assume that, hey, you've got the money for it. You know, I mean, it's not like a time, you know, you're not struggling with your family or whatever, right? Let's just say, hey, you've got the money. I think that's fine, you know. And, and for me, that's, that's a big factor for me. Is it going to be in print, or is it going to be more expensive later? You know, so that, that's a, that's a big um, thing for me. But that's a really big know. factor for me. Yeah. I would say that's that has become a motivating factor for me to buy games more compulsively lately. Yeah. Before I was a very compulsive buyer. You guys know that I do have yeah. kind of a problem. Once I decide to jump in, I jump in with both feet, and I'm very compulsive. I'm very much a collector. But lately, and since I've tried to curb that, what you're talking about is. The, the my main motivation for picking up a game now is I'm because I've been burned with the out of print thing two or three times on games I really wish were on my shelf today so yeah I see something come up I want to get it this is something where um, I do wish we had Shuck here um, I mean I, he's he's at the underwater basket weaving championships he's yeah we hoping yeah. it's taking his team all the way to the gold um, but he's been he's been really working hard at the macrame weaves I've yeah, noticed uh, lately I'll tell you, and um, so there's a good reason for him being there's gone a good reason today. for him being gone but I, I actually. 
He has an interesting perspective. His his perspective, I I can't go as far as he goes, okay? His perspective is always that if I've got a game on my shelf, the game I'm buying has to be better than the game on my shelf. So if I've got a worker placement 4X style game and I'm buying another worker placement game or 4X style game, it's either got to – it's basically – it's almost like it's got to prove to me – I've got to be able to prove to myself why that's the thing though. Here's the thing about Chuck though, is he's that way in every aspect of his life. Like he's my cousin, so I can talk about him. Like I, I know him on a on a very deep level. This dude, like he lives his whole life that way. Like that's he's smart. very he's very stoic and he's very much like this. I don't want to say he's disciplined because you're because you're not Chuck. You're not a disciplined oh, wow. guy. I'm I'm being honest. <laughs> and oh, you're wow. listening to this later, and I know you're like, thanks. Jerk, but the 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 thing is though is he's a he's a man of conviction, and I've seen this guy struggle with things outside of the hobby. Other big time, I'm not going to bring him up, but big life decisions that were I would say a whole lot more important than board games. And I've seen him like say, "Look, this is what's right, this is what's wrong," and he does it. And so he's come up with this idea of what's good for his yeah. collection and it doesn't matter uh, in a lot of ways I wish I thought like he does because it do would too. keep me from it would curb me more from this impulsive well, buying that I do and he's like no it just doesn't have a place and he's content with where he is where I find myself I find out that there's this thing out there I didn't know existed and now I'm no longer content he has a tightly curated collection yeah. like, oh, I, man, I, yeah. I like his collection yeah, like yeah. every game he has and each one has like a unique it purpose. It has a purpose, and he can tell you and he, why and yeah. he likes it. And well, and he he was talking before this, like when we were kind of discussing this topic, he was like, "Oh, I I feel like I I need to cull some more games. I need, I'm looking at my at my games. I'm like, I don't know if they. Are. I'm like, you do a really good job <laughs> of having those games like in order. Yeah. You know, I, like you you've got maybe the it's games good he's not want. here. We'd be so angry and annoyed with him the whole time. We're like, shut <laughs> up, man. No, I, <laughs> I don't want to hear your crap. I, I just I wish he was here for collection. this because I I want like this is uh maybe maybe we can feature some of his input some at some other point because I think it's something that some gamers would find really interesting. Like ever since he's told me that, like it's been a couple of years now. I, I sometimes hear him in the back of my head. Yeah, like I'm a like, little, like a little like, conscience. Like, like, like when I'm buying a game, I'm like, like Jiminy Cricket. Does talking it really? To you, like, do you really think, need to buy that? Because he's he's so smart with the way he does it. I hate so, it when he's in my I, head um, too. You suck, yeah. Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I do think like just because because he wasn't he's he's not able to be with us tonight. I know that's one of his thoughts on it is, and as and for some people like that may be a really great idea. It's like hey, think of it that way. Does it replace something? Does, is it better than what I already have? Uh, me, I, I tend to be more of, well, I love worker placements, and I can have all the worker placements. You know, <laughs> I have to pull myself back, and that's why I like having a friend like that. Part of his his philosophy is rubbed off on me, and so now I I make wiser decisions. Yeah, it's harder because for of me. Him. It's harder for me because I see the unique aspect of that worker placement game yeah. as opposed to the other one. I'm like, but it has this, and so I want that. I know I already have this other game that does something similar but this one does it ever so differently that you know that you know, that I enjoy uh, I think uh, I think we need to take a, a, a side oh no the, Gary what's your what's your review of this hey, I tried this real, real heavy uh, scotch ale if, if you can get the real ale brewing co uh, real heavy scotch ale it is delicious I uh, highly approved uh, I like uh, I do like the scotch ales I've had um, I've had a handful of them and this is and the top half of them. Let's really? put it that way. Okay. Like I, I, it's not as sweet as some, which I, I felt kind like of it like. was really smooth. 
Smooth, yeah. And and less less uh, punchy than the founders. The founders hits you in the face in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, man, this is great. You know, <laughs> um, as, beer aside, as I was saying, I think times where I have kind of employed the ice, for lack of a better term, and I hate that he's not here to be able to talk about this, but I, what I call is the shuck method for me, or the shuck, shuck's thoughts. Like, kind of like you were saying, Brian, there have been times where I thought to myself, one of them was, uh, last year in 2018, I just looked at my sh- what I call my shelf of shame, my unplayed games, and I thought to myself, you know, I need to play more of these. I need to slow down. I'm adding too many games, and I've taken up all the real estate I can in my house, and I keep adding more games. And so either I need to cool some or um, stop buying. Okay. And so I did slow down dramatically my buying. There was a conversation we had early on because you know you and Chuck got me into this hobby. Okay, so there was a conversation we had early I'm on, sorry. and I asked you, I remember asking you like, man, like you have quite a few games like you don't get to play all of them and you said this is something to me that stuck out you said you know for me I know that if I may not play this game for a while but there's going to come a time when that group gets together or that per- I have that I get that night together I can envision what that game night will look like so I'm going to have that game and when that game night comes along you know I will be able to pull this game I'll be able to pull the sent out I'll be able to pull whatever it is back then we were playing Small world and, and other things like that. And you, and you, you know, granted, we played that a lot, but there's, I think I'd, I'd, we'd, it was after a game of that. And I asked you about a couple of your other games on your, on your shelf. And that's when you told me that. And that's also kind of stuck with me because while that can lead to some rampant buying, um, <laughs> it has for me. I, so. I do think that has influenced me in that there are times where I'll think about a game and I'm like, okay, well, for example, we talked about Food Chain Magnate. I got that game knowing it'd probably be difficult to find a group. But I really wanted to play the game, and I knew I had a couple friends that could that would want to play it. So I bought that game knowing that it's not going to come out all the time. But when it does, I feel like it's going to be great. And I, you know, I have the group for it. I have the audience for it. And so that has affected me. So and that's not for everyone. Some people wouldn't wouldn't enjoy that. For me, sometimes just looking at that shelf, going, you know what? Haven't played Dominant Species yet. But when I get that game night together for it, I think it's going to be pretty cool. You know. So for me, sometimes. Sometimes it's just fine to have that game for that, you know. So I don't know if that works for everyone, but for me, maybe it, maybe that's bad about me, but that's that's part of who I am. No, because that, that's the way I've, I've felt about it for a long time. Is I, I remember telling my wife that it's like I get, if, I, if I'm paying X amount of dollars for a game, I feel like I'm getting, you know, that enjoyment out of it. Just anticipating getting the game, reading, reading up, being excited about it, getting the game, punching it out, storing it up. And so if I get to play it once after that, I'm, I've got my value out of that yeah. game. And so for me, that, like, that was very true then. Right now, it's that I so seldom get to play games yeah. that those games just became frustrations for me, like having, uh, having those on the shelf. And I'm sure that's going to change you know, in the, in the future is, is, uh, my life situation changes. So, um, but I do want to talk about, so I, you know, we're kind of talking around keeping up with the board gaming Joneses, yeah. right. And whether or not that's necessary. And honestly, it's, you know, this is going to be a, obviously a very personal decision for everybody. You know, it's like, am I in a place where I have the time, money and, and space to spend doing this? Uh, or do I get enjoyment out of it some other way? You know, and if so, great. You know, yeah. buy buy your games, buy responsibly. You know, <laughs> um, don't sell drugs yeah. to buy games. Yeah, um, is what we mean. Yeah, 
But if you're not like if if that's not you and you and you still feel that pressure to keep up, so what do you do to to not? You know, like how do you how do you kind of quell that uh, that desire to stop listening to us and everyone else, man? Yeah. Basically, yeah. what do you do for that? Because you've had a, you've had a a lull of buying for uh, time. Yeah, so it's been a couple years, really. I've I bought a couple games. When I say a couple, I mean probably like three or four, maybe uh, in about two years, which was coming from years where I bought. 20 or more yeah. games in a year and i changed one habit i found that a lot of things in life are like this like you find that one thing that you can change that one habit and it has a big impact and so for me i stopped listening to most board game podcasts i still listen to a couple i stopped interacting on like board game social media i stopped uh, reading um all the articles about games because i found that that kind of created that desire me to, to, to buy a, a bunch of games. Yeah. You know? It's like I've, I've found reasons and I saw other people's excitement and that made me excited. So that was my method was basically I just kind of, I cut out a lot of the input, you know, yep. that helped, that got me excited about buying games. And so I, I, it made it a lot easier for me to say, I don't, I don't need that right now. And yeah. That's a very practical solution to kind of a point I was trying to subtly make earlier that I was happy before I knew a thing existed. Yeah. Before I knew that there was this, this these Euro games out there that I hadn't experienced. And then once I found out that they were there, I found out what they were, I wasn't happy anymore. And as counterintuitive as that sounds coming from a board game podcast, yeah, we try to keep it real here and we, yeah. we try to say was real, <laughs> I guess. Because we struggle too. Right. We struggle with this stuff. Right. Yeah. So like we, we're, we're making a podcast because we enjoy the hobby, right? But there's going to be times of life, like not every time is going to be a flow. We, my, my wife and I talk about this a lot. There are ebbs in life and there are flows in life. And uh, you have to know, you have to be able to discern when those are, you know. Uh, sometimes we'll get frustrated and it's like, why, aren't, why is this not happening in our family or in our, and it's like, well, either, either you find the thing that's keeping you from that or just say, you know what, right now this is an ebb in this because, and you see those cycles happen. And for me, that's what happened in my board game purchasing habits was right now I'm in an ebb and that's okay with me and I'm enjoying the hobby where I'm at and I think that's one of the things we want to say is you don't have to keep up with the board gaming Joneses you can be happy where you are you know it's like there's there's plenty of games to play you probably know people who have games you want to play you don't have to continue to buy games to in, in order to continue enjoying the hobby so uh, and, and kind of as as an kind of a point to that we started that date night youtube series that we did and one thing amanda and i noticed is that as we would replay the, the same game over and over because it's been a while since we did that like we did that with carcassonne we did that with small world when we first started getting into kind of the more modern gaming then we didn't do that very much anymore because it was always the next game it was always the next thing and the same with us like how many times do we as a group revisit the same game over and over and it's very rare and so Amanda and I made a point that for this series, we wanted to revisit this game over and over. And we saw that the games that we played six plus, seven plus times in a small period of time, within six, seven weeks, we were getting more out of those games. It was, it was, there was another level of enjoyment that I hadn't had in a long time, you know, since like the last five or six years of gaming. And, and so now I desire to play games over and over and over because I want to see what else is there that I haven't really 
got to know about that game. It's there's more than surface level stuff in most of these games because you got to think the guy that's designing it and playtesting is playing it more than that first initial time, and there's depth there for people who are always on to the next thing. Is uh, yeah, I opened up your quad. Sorry, uh, that that you're not going to uh, get to experience. I opened up a. Uh, a quad for Brian because he needed uh, yeah. he needed it the, the real black quad air, the it's black good. quad no, yeah that's, good. that's what sorry he he sort of featured that on the podcast he looked at me like I was crazy no I just <laughs> saw another bottle sitting there I was like where did that come from yeah I, I did that that was the the beer fairy brought that to you I, I think that uh, <laughs> I think that that is a good point in that as I've like kind of I went through like a phase of like. And he's got a amazing, like he's got a face. It's amazing. Look on his it? face, like it's, it's, it's a really great beer. Um, that's really good. So I went mm. through a, a I phase. Like that I think most people do. I think you kind of go through some as you get in a hobby, like early on. Like you're, you're buying a lot of games because you're excited. You love this hobby. I love board games. You know, I must have all the games. And so um, I think I went through kind of a phase where I bought a ton of games. Then got into a point where I was actually enjoying trading some of those games because some of those. I bought just off recommendations. I didn't really know what I wanted, what I liked, right? The games that I've that I've kept and just play more and play the, the play the most, yeah, I definitely get mo- more out of those games. I mean, recently we you you had gotten me turned on. I don't even own this game, but you you'd gotten me turned on to the game uh, Twa, and so I've been I've been playing it online. I think you um, played it more than I have. Yeah, at this point. I, you yes, well, you introduced <laughs> it to me, and I, I and I'll play it during my lunch hour at work. But just to speak to this point. I liked the game at first. It was pretty good. I don't know if I will own it because you have it, and I don't know that I would play it with and anyone locally. I don't know that I'd have a big audience that wouldn't include you. So there's there's that's part of my, my buying is I used to just say, even though Brian has it, I'll still get it. Well, now sometimes I, I pull back and say, Brian has it. We'll play it together. But all that to say, I've had multiple plays of that game now, and that game really just starts to open up. It does open up. a whole yeah. – there's a whole new strategy. I'm starting to see things I didn't see at first. I'm still horrible, but I'm, I get more out of it. So there's always that. That Sometimes we lose that. And that rush to always have more games, and I'm only playing one or two times, am I losing something? Am I not seeing something in a game? And I think of like games that I've traded off because I didn't like it in, uh, in one or two plays. And then my son told me later, yeah, I really like that game. And I was like, if you would have told me. You know, if I would have asked, mm-hmm. if I would have stopped to ask, I didn't stop to say, hey, son, did you like this game? And then we saw um, we saw Above and Below in, in the store, and he goes, yeah, I really liked the game. I wish you wouldn't have gotten rid of it. And I was like, I feel horrible now because if I knew you wanted to play that with me, I would have enjoyed the experience of playing it with my son. And then here's a game he would, tells me now he would have. So, you know, they're, I'm, I'm kind of changing some of my, my buying habits. Is, is it, so I'm, I'm still kind of in a, in a period where I'm, I'm kind of, Okay, what what I setting up my own little boundaries for this, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we'll always adjust, you know, as you go along you adjust a little bit. And you know, may, maybe you come to a point proper Brian where you decide, you know what? Instead of buying three games over 2 years, I'm in a period where I can play more, my kids are older, I'm going to buy three games, four games in a year, right? But I who, feel like I'm really close to that. There <clears throat> by the way, my my kids are like I want to play this game with you. Yeah. I don't play. And so we got we got the tickets ride first journey out the other mm, day because good. they were asking for it, and they did great with it. And so I think I'm close. Yeah, and, yeah. And so it's it's funny, like you said, ebbs and flows. I mean, you, it's it's just interesting to look back at, at 
how you change your, your habits, you know? Yeah, so sometimes, like, even even locally with our good friends that we're playing games with, even even if we're avoiding all the podcasts and the YouTube content that's telling us that the next best thing is that we need to have, that we can't be settled until we buy this thing, even just kind of being around our friends with those big collections, it, it gets hard for me at times, to, especially even, even in our context where we're doing podcasts and YouTubes where we want to feel like we're being somebody and that we, we're relevant. And then we have friends in town that are probably more relevant than we are. It tends to make me feel like I like I'm less than in the hobby, which is kind of a weird concept. Like, why does it matter, or is that really even true? But I guess for for me, the change in perspective, and I think this is what helped me the most, Proper Brian, when I was thinking about this, is the change of perspective that I had to have to be content where I am uh, came from something as simple as piggybacking off of you guys and off of these same friends that we're talking about friends like way and Craig and Jeff and my new friend, Ned, who we mentioned our last podcast, uh, who have these giant collections that we actually get to play their games and we have an interesting hobby. Now here's the thing. We have a hobby where they enjoy their hobby with friends. They don't necessarily just enjoy their hobby by themselves. They're not on an island buying games, hoping they just get to have these games to look at on their shelf. They want to play them with us and with their friends as well. So as long as we're not jerks and we're people that they enjoy playing with, uh, they get to, that's, that's the only way to enjoy this hobby is with other people. How interesting is that? And so there's some redundancy to owning the same games your friends have, which is fine because you want to enjoy them with people other things you want to own them but there's also this thing place i had to come to personally where i didn't have to own every game that came across my table that i enjoy i like to let you buy a lot of the games yeah that i, I know play. you do i know you do and so so that kind of goes to extension of these friends i'm grateful for them and i'm grateful that that we get to play a lot of their games and they bring them to the table and that's one way we as content creators keep up with the joneses is we depend on early on man when, when pub meeple is brand new how much do we depend on jeff on, hey, do you have this game, Jeff? And he's like, yeah, I got it. I'm like, great, because we don't, and we need it for our content that we're trying to create, because he has this this large collection. So he was a resource we, we drew from a lot of times uh, early on before we had these collections. And so that's that's one way, I guess, kind of to come back full circle. How am I content in the hobby with only having 100 games or hundred you know less than 150 games is is I have friends that own games I don't, and I'm content yeah. with playing their copy and enjoying it with them and then walking away saying, I don't have to have everything. You know, I don't have to own this hobby. I can be happy. But, but I mean, I had to come to that place. It's not a natural place for me as a collector to be in. I really had to, like, coach myself, convince myself, look at myself in the mirror and say, people like you, if you even if you don't have everything. And <laughs> wow. it, was, it was... But but that, that may be... You know, just because of my personality, where you you know some some listener out there may also be struggling with, because it was a struggle for me. There's counseling. I'll give you my number. <laughs> you can email me. Maybe so, we can maybe we can charge through together. So so maybe a good way to to wrap this up would be to say, you know, be real real with yourself. Know where you are with your time, your money, and your space. Yeah. And then learn to kind of enjoy where you are. You know, don't think that you have to look out and see what other people are doing to get. To, to see what you need to be doing. See where you are, understand where you are, and learn to enjoy where you are because there's there's always something to enjoy about where you are instead of looking at social media and seeing what you might need to do. Know where you are and enjoy it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just enjoy this hobby. You know, I mean, if 
if buying all the games is how you enjoy this hobby, then hey, and you can do that, that's great. But you know, if if you can't, don't feel bad about that. Just enjoy what you have. Find some friends who have the games you don't have. Uh, again, which is what I which I do with you, Brian. And then, uh, and you know, and just yeah, just make sure you have fun. Yeah, it's a good way to to kind of just end. We want to make we want board games to be fun, right? Absolutely, so, that's uh, the point. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think that's good. That's a good note to end on. Um, as always, man, I've, I've really enjoyed our discussion, guys. We we get to have uh, some good brews and have have a good uh, gaming discussion. Um, and thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. We'll see you on the next episode, Chuck. <laughs>